Hello there, people. It's Chappy, your British butler. Keep calm and cauliflower cheese, episode 128. And what a lovely autumnal weekend it has been here in Colorado. The temperature is very chilly in the morning, that sort of crisp, your breath freezing in the morning, and then it cooling down in the evenings as well. Absolutely adore this time of year. It's wonderful. But the trouble is, you know, when you haven't seen many people for about 18 months, all sorts of colds, uh, awful like little niggles and tickles and everything else start rearing their ugly heads again. So I think today on the podcast, we're going to uh, look at some sort of uh, old fashioned cold remedies. I think we're going to look at the uh, origin of the hot toddy. And also, you know, one of my grandfather Frank's favorite uh, was goose grease. And so a lovely little piece, you know, this is what I do in my spare time. I, I look for articles on goose grease and the wonders of goose grease. Uh, I mean, you used to rub it everywhere. This is before they had the beauty of Vicks. Before we started rubbing Vicks on our feet, uh, people were using goose grease rubbed absolutely everywhere. Now, I mean, if you wanted to be roasted as well, uh, you probably wouldn't need to be even basted. You'd just take the goose grease off and pour it over yourself. If you uh, if you were roasted for a, for a holiday party or something along those lines, but it's that time of year, and I think it's going to be a bad one this year. We're not just talking COVID; we're talking all sorts of other little colds, neuroviruses, um, because everybody's sort of mixing it just a little bit more. And uh, you know what? I, th- I think we could keep the masks on. I think the masks are going to be a permanent way of one's life uh, moving forward. And you know what as well, if you if you have a, you know, in the winter, I get a sort of flushed red face. The mask covers sort of all those sort of indiscretions as well. You know, I, I imagine if you're hung over as well, if you have dark glasses on the mask, nobody would ever know. And they wouldn't be able to smell it on your breath either. So that could be, a, that could really be a perfect sort of solution to this situation. But here we are again, um, the podcast the second edition of the weekend. We had a little one on Friday where we uh, we delved into all sorts of things, but I, I talked about my love or rediscovery of the chocolate cake. And I think, you know, you find yourself a perfect chocolate cake um, and any other chocolate cake is an imposter. I mean, that's a metaphor for life. Don't keep searching for the perfect chocolate cake. Because, I mean, you f- if you find the perfect chocolate cake, don't keep searching for an- other chocolate cakes. There are imitators out there. There's false fondant. You don't want false fondant. You want to, uh, you want to enjoy and devour your favorite fudgy death by chocolate. And, you know, forget about the rest. I think it's a perfect mantra for life. Don't always search for the golden goose. And don't always look for... Um, the perfect chocolate cake once you've found it. But it's never going to get better than that. I think that's what people are always, always hankering for more, more, more. Where, you know, the platter in front of them is an absolute delight. And they're getting everything they want out of that platter. So anyway, a chocolate, call, a chocolate cake metaphor this early in the show. Who would have thought it? Um, but we also, uh, we, I talked a little bit about uh, James Bond. I talked about these urchins, like, basically disturbing the gun barrel scene for me. Yeah, right at the beginning, I want to see the gun barrel scene. I want to see Bond at the beginning 
where the gun barrel comes across the screen and James Bond turns around and shoots. But that was messed up for me. So I'm going to have to go and see uh, No Time to Die probably another five times, I would say. Uh, maybe four times. Maybe four times. And maybe, who knows, It might they might rush it out at Christmas or just after New Year, so I'll be able to watch it there. I know I'm a little bit of a nerd, aren't I? Yes, a little bit of a nerd. So, staving off the colds. I've got a dog with a, uh, a bit of a poorly throat, a little bit of a cough. But, uh, you know, a dash of honey and a little bit of children's uh, cough medicine has done one. It's only just, only just a little dash, you know, you don't want any more than that. You never want to go any more than that. But, you know, that's the whole thing. There's, there's meant to be more dog flu around. There's all sorts of nasty little icky ailments uh, around. So, yeah, it's best to keep the mask on, get your hot toddies at bay, and also your uh, jar of goose grease. I wonder if duck grease would work. Duck fat. It might, it might, it might work, you know. But you know what? I want to say that for my potatoes or my tatters. I mean, the weather is turning. Uh, but there's still some real characters around. Um, like the shirtless dog-walking hipster. We'll be talking about that. I also saw a lady in my favorite gazebo. Now, everybody has their favorite gazebo. And uh, she was actually smoking the biggest spliff I think I've ever seen. And she would look like she was in heaven. Talking about Tavares heaven missing an angel. She was not missing any angel. She was right there in heaven enjoying this huge spliff. Uh, also, the origins of shite hawks. Um, how I feel about hoodies and how I think I think I look in hood, a hoodie, which you know I don't think I'll be doing it again. The uh, the old the old issue. I mean, we used to have it when everybody was in the office and everybody celebrated by buying a cake. It was cakes for wedding anniversaries. It cakes for your work anniversaries. It cakes when you know when you uh, got your you know first uh, gold filling uh, it was cakes basically when you got a new hairstyle I mean it was cakes for everything now people are sending out e-greetings because everybody more well, maybe people are remote now everybody's sending e-greetings about everything so your already crowded inbox is just that little bit more crowded so we're going to be looking at that as well um, I never I don't think I ever talked about the um, the uh, butt end of the bread I think I mentioned it in passing maybe uh, also, uh, we see Pajama Boy. He's been out and about. Different pajamas. I'm hoping I'm going to get some holiday pajamas from Pajama Boy as well. How you do not want to be the last person on the Zoom call. It's Zoom Russian Roulette. And also, I mentioned this the other day, my dad has a pet pheasant. When he's not around, there is something that the person who feeds him, whether it be my mother or somebody else, has to do to fool the pheasant. Uh, also, some of the other topics we may be uh, discovering. We, I don't think we've ever looked at Queen Victoria and Albert's tiffs and silences in the Royal Love Letters. Um, children won't eat sprouts, blame their mouth bacteria. Lockdown makes a vintage year for fine wine investments as well. I mean, there's so much coming along the way on the podcast. We have a little bit of Trump or trombone edging its way into play as well. Uh, we have uh, you know, some very little amusing sort of stories and anecdotes dripping off us today. So sex in space would be heavenly, say scientists. It is for time at last for space to see a big bang. Uh, not the celestial big bang, not a sort of big bang. 
A group of psychologists has urged space agencies to embrace a new discipline, space sexology. Writing on the academic website The Conversation, they call for the comprehensive scientific study of extraterrestrial intimacy and sexuality. I mean, that's not, you know, getting off with an alien or something, is it? But they have long, sharp fingers and claws. I mean, it could be very, very painful unless you're into that sort of thing. Space has also been now treated astronauts as they are sexless. The academics, including researchers from Concordia University in Canada, says that as space opens up, well, legs may open up as well, I guess, to human exploration, this, uh, this fiction is increasingly untenable. Love and sex are central to human life. Despite this, national and private space organizations are moving forward with long-term missions. I mean, that could be the favorite, like, could be the favorite, you know, what's an astronaut's favorite sex position? Obviously, missionary position. Houston, we have a problem. Um, the moon and Mars, without any concrete research and plans to address human eroticism in space. I mean, if your clothes are loose, they're just going to float off, aren't they? It's gravity for you. Eventually, if we're going to become a true space-faring race, they argue, we're going to have to accept there'll be a bit of sexual stardust. A sprinkle of the sexual stardust. Wouldn't it just float away? That's the trouble, though, I think, in space. Everything's going to, like, float. You know, bodily fluids are going to float around. I mean, you don't want to have bodily fluids going into the eye unnecessarily and that, that's going to sort of happen in space isn't it and you don't know whose body fluids it is oh my gosh it's getting all messy so messy gravity caused such a problem love and sex needs to happen in space if we hope to travel long distances and become an interplanetary species but space organizations are not ready this is they said uh, there's more than just astronaut welfare I mean, it's astronaut safe sex as well. Ultimately, the success of the missions depends on all-round mental health. To succeed, we also need space organizations to adopt a new perspective on space exploration, one that considers human beings with needs and desires. For this reason, they are suggesting that at very least we should be encouraging some sexual activity. Well, James Bond's really, I think he's attempting to, he's attempting re-entry, sir. You know. Abstinence is not a viable option. On the contrary, facilitating masturbation or partner sex could actually help astronauts relax, sleep and alleviate pain. I think they're going to have to have special pods for this type of activity. And somebody's going to have to go around with a bleach wipe afterwards, I would say. We've got a real issue. So as I said at the top of the show, everybody used to buy Rudy Cakes. There's a whole Seinfeld episode, episode where Elaine is just getting an overall sugar rush every day because everybody's buying cakes for all sorts of anniversaries at work. You know, people starting, people anniversaries, new babies, marriages, deaths, uh, bar mitzvahs, divorce parties, all of it. But the same thing now, because everybody's remote, you're getting the email greeting. Our, e our mailboxes are just getting clogged even further. I mean... You really need some sort of email plunger to like just release the filth, basically. Because that's how many emails we're getting. But we're getting greeting emails, people celebrating emails, people's anniversaries. We're not just talking one year or five year anniversaries. We're talking two and a half year anniversaries now as well. 
is absolutely ridiculous. And then, you know, obviously new babies. Um, but, you know, if you've, got, if you've got hundreds and hundreds of people working in office, you're going to have to have your own separate mailbox for putting up these greeting emails, these e-greeting cards, basically, that are filtering through. But my thing is this. So, you know, if if people have been married, if, 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 okay, first marriage, let's allow an email greeting. But once after the first, you get to the second and third marriages and people are still getting these email greeting cards, then, you know, why are we celebrating a bad mistake again? It's, it's sort of deplorable. You know, I think you may, you may be able to get your little, your little greetings after the first marriage and maybe the divorce party greeting. But once you do, once you do the second marriage, especially you know some people out there on their fourth or fifth marriage, it's only a matter of time before there has to be a divorce greeting, and then they're going to get married again. So you have to send another email greeting. It is endless. It's like an eternity. You're going into a wormhole of e-greeting cards, and this is our future, everybody. Old-time remedies are a favorite feature on Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. Absolutely love it. I grew up with old time remedies. You know, my grandfather loved, you know, wrapping a wet sock around the neck, goose grease, hot toddies, all of this, all, all natural remedies. So we may look back on life a hundred or more years as an idyllic, stress-free and romantic, but for many of our ancestors, it was a dreary round of poverty, grinding toil and frequent illness. For our rural ancestors, the doctor was many long miles away by horseback. Those available were often lacking in medical education. Nothing's changed, really. It probably did as much harm as good. They didn't know or ignored basic hygiene, spread germs from one patient to another. So the further away you stay from doctors, the better you'll be. That's what the ancestors used to say. And now we've become a whole world of hypochondriacs. Many times people may do by doctoring themselves with what they had on hand. If a doctor was called in, it was usually after all home remedies had failed, and then it was often too late. Uh, most women used remedies that had been passed down from their mothers and grandmothers. Goose grease was an ingredient in many home remedies. It was smeared on hands and face to prevent chapping, combined with turpentine or kerosene. I mean, you do want to light up a cigar or something around this sort of fella to be rubbed on chest and throats or colds applied to burns and blisters. Lavina Clark, wife of Silas Dot Clark of Junata, uh, used goose grease because it was greasier than lard. Her mother combined goose grease and turpentine for a chest rub to loosen congestion. She also remembered her mother making cold medicine by combining raw onions and lots of sugar, a few drops of turpentine as well, and uh, placing it on the back of the cook stove and letting it set until it turned into a syrup this syrup was good for colds and coughs uh, then like now there seems to be more remedies for miseries of colds and chest congestion than any other ailments so a lot of men if they felt like a cold coming on uh, would basically rub the neck and chest uh, with uh, with a menthol type thing took a good shot of whiskey and then went to bed and sweat it out there is a belief that the stronger, more unpleasant the remedy, the better. I mean, this is what I had. Like the medicine I used to have from my matron at school 
was some of the worst tasting matron. It, it really did taste like it was a witch's brew or rugby player's socks sort of boiled up and given into a broth. Mustard plasters also were strong enough to take off the skin and substitute a new pain for the original. To make a mustard plaster, take a small amount of ground mustard combined with a little flour and water to make a paste. Spread the paste on a cloth, cover with another cloth and put on the chest until the skin turns red. If you left it on too long, it will blister the skin. So lots of grandmothers uh, basically said, well, some people thought they broke a rib. Uh, they thought a mustard plaster would help relieve the pain. The heat felt so good, you know, people left the plasters on for too long. And then when it removed the skin, when it came off, leave, leaving a big sore. Also, fry, small, uh, fry a load of small onions in lard, spread between cloths and lead on the chest. Cover up, leave on until cold. Uh, and then uh, when the onions stunk, I mean, you have to put up with a lot in those days. The stinkiness was absolutely ridiculous. Um, she remembered also people making cough syrups. In the autumn, they would take a bottle of whiskey, add it to rock candy and some kind of oil and shake and take a couple of spoonfuls whenever you had a cough. These were some of the old home remedies. So I don't know if anybody out there is still doing it. I mean, I'm big proponent of honey. I do love myself some turmeric. I haven't had any today, actually. It reminds me that you need a spoonful of that. Um, but uh, literally, back in the day, a spoonful of sugar used to help the medicine go down. Okay, so another remedy. For you out there with a ticklish throat. A little bit of history behind the hot toddy. I mean, my grandfather used to make it with Glenmorangie. But ask the average person if they've ever heard of a hot toddy. I'd like to say they have. Ask them what's in a hot toddy, and you might get a variety of answers. The cocktail doesn't have a standard recipe. It needs to contain some sort of liquor, a sweetener, honey or sugar, warm base like coffee, tea, hot water or apple cider, and lemon. The most common hot toddies uh, uh, consist of bourbon, honey, hot water, and lemon. I mean, in the UK, I think it's scotch. The, the origins are unknown, but... We know that it's an old drink believed to be invented in Scotland in the 1700s. The country's staple liquor scotch had a pretty smoky flavour, and women were often not fond of it. The hot toddy may have been designed as a sweetener tasting alternative for the ladies. But the hot toddy's name is the biggest mystery. Nobody knows for certain where it came from, but there's two theories. The uh, 1781 poet Alan Ramsey published a poem called The Morning Interview that mentions the hot toddy and spring this spring was also called todd's well and was the main water supply to uh, edinburgh scotland so the hot toddy may be named after ramsey's poem uh, referring to the uh, today and spring it was being used for a tea party so since the today and spring existed uh, anywhere regardless of ramsey invoke its name in poetry is unclear but why ramsey is given credit for the name of the hot toddy cocktail by those to adhere to this theory about its naming Another theory states that in the UK, uh, they were involved in trade with India at the time and the hot toddy was invented. The cocktail may have been named for toddy, an Indian drink made from palm tree sap. Whether or not this is true, one thing's a certain. Palm tree sap is not an, a usual ingredient for a hot toddy. The name itself can be spelled totty or totty with an IE at the end. Those spellings are uncommon and some would simply say wrong. There's no, uh, there, there are no options when it comes to the hotness of a hot toddy, and it's the most popular cold weather drink 
even among ski lodges uh, than in pubs. A hot toddy ideally should be made and enjoyed at home with a good book, a good friend. I mean, you don't want to be out driving with it. So the recipe, traditionally, 50 milliliters of whiskey, 25 milliliters of lemon juice, five cloves, two teaspoons of sugar. Skewer the cloves into two thin lemon slices and add to the heat-proof glass. Add the whiskey, lemon juice, and honey. Top with boiling water and garnish with a cinnamon stick. That is the hot toddy. Give it a quick stir and serve immediately. And I know you probably need a good lay down after that. We're in the age of the hoodies. So not my favorite fashion item and not a great fan of seeing golfers wear hoodies at the moment. I know I'm an old fart and all. Okay. But I saw myself in a hoodie the other day and I, I never thought that I would... Uh, be wearing a wearing a hoodie um but it's almost you know one has to have a hoodie audition because you need to know what you're gonna look like i mean it's like anything i mean if you if you're wearing putting an ascot on or cravat you need to need to know what you look like look in the mirror everything else um but with the hoodie it's i don't i, I don't think i suit the hoodie for a start um but I had it up as it's starting to rain. It's quite a convenient sort of piece of attire, though, if uh, rain suddenly comes on and you want to stop your uh, hair getting wet. I mean, if you just blow dried your hair, the hoodie can save you from all sorts of uh, uh, hair suits of indiscretions and everything else. So, you know, I was quite relieved to have it. But then I saw myself. And I'm wondering if, like, the hoodie is the sort of the sort of the age or rebirth of the Grim Reaper or something. Because I saw myself and I thought I looked exactly like Grim Reaper. And, you know, it wasn't just the black flailed hood over the head and just your face peering out of it. I saw my nose. I mean, th this is the whole thing. I, I think I need a, a sort of broader hoodie to cover the, cover the nose, cover the nostrils up. Because I was still getting rain, like, dripping off the end of my nose. So the hoodie wasn't giving me full coverage. I mean, maybe it's like a half hoodie, if that even exists, I don't know. But it wasn't giving me full coverage. And, I, you know, I saw myself in the mirror afterwards, and it looked like my nose was peering out. It looked almost like a scythe. So I seriously was the Grim Reaper. I had the hood on. I had the gray, dark hood of the Grim Reaper, and my nose looked like the scythe. I think I'm probably going back to the tweed hats after this. After I saw myself in the hoodie... And saw this, uh, you know, peering snoz that looks, uh, you know, decidingly creepy. Then, um, yeah, all overhead. Well, I might even go for a beanie. And anybody listening to the podcast know my feelings about beanies. Sadly, not all weddings end in happily ever afters. And no amount of pricey honeymoons and horse-drawn carriages can ease things along if the couple just aren't well suited. This was unfortunately the case for... Kural Anam from Indonesia, who thought he'd finally found the one form of love with a regular rice cooker. Now, I've been hearing good things about rice cookers for a while, but can't imagine being so enamored by one that I drape a veil over it and declare my eternal devotion. I guess I have to try it first. Kural, on the other hand, was initially absolutely smitten by his rice cooker and went so far as to marry it in a full-blown ceremony. Well, that's pressure cookers for you. Want it to be full-blown. 
In photographs shared to Facebook, Corral could be seen signing the necessary documents and looking proud as he kissed his new bride on its beautiful lid. I mean, he probably get burnt lips. I mean, those things get bloody hot. Hot bride. Of course, being a non-satient kitchen object, the rice cooker presumably isn't the chattest of life companions. Well, I mean, it's whistle when it's excited, I suppose. I mean, I've known people like that. However, besotted Corral still found plenty to admire into his plastic princess, gushing over its useful property. You don't want the rice cooker gushing. It could seriously bind you with boiling hot water. In a Facebook post, Corral praised the little cooker for being white, loving and obedient, accurately adding, without you, my rice is not cooked. Admittedly, it isn't exactly the sort of romantic proclamation you give to a girl rice cooker, a girl that he dreams about, but you can only relate to wanting to be with somebody who shares the appreciation of food, especially rice. As many of us know too well, the course of love never did run smooth like Romeo and Juliet. Corral and his new wife were fated to share just a few days together. In a recent update, Corral revealed that he had decided to call it quits just four days into the marriage as would only cook rice. I mean, what did he expect it to cook? You know, steamed dumplings or something? It's unclear whether or not Corral and the rice cooker were main friends after all. Perhaps sharing amical custody of a bag of rice or whatever things uh, will just be really awkward every time he opens the kitchen cupboard. I mean, he, probably, he surely put it on eBay and sold it, I would think. Uh, after all, nobody likes to run into their ex at the best of times. Well, you know, maybe he needs to try a different starch, like potatoes or something. And when they're rummaging around for cereal first thing in the morning, you come across your long-lost love rice cooker. All the best corral and a mysterious new divorcee, Mrs. Rice Cooker, who couldn't be reached for comment. She's probably blowing her lid at the time, I would say, something along those lines. But I both hope they find what they're looking for. Maybe, you know, something a little bit more wild rice-like in the case of Mrs. Rice Cooker. Um, I mean, it's a case of they maybe got too close and things got sticky. Um, they would have maintained the relationship, but it was wild rice. The cooker had a terrible temper and kept boiling over. I mean, initially it was like white on rice. People are having so much fun out there. When I'm doing my sort of morning absolutions and walk with the dogs, it's people having so much fun out there at the moment. Loving the autumn. You know, from the heat to the chill, absolutely loving it. So the other day, I uh, I saw a shirtless dog walker. I mean, this guy was obviously showing off his beauteous body, what he thought was his beauteous six-pack. I mean, but he had the biggest red headphones on, and the only thing matching the headphones was the red sunburn. So it may be October, people, but you can still get sunburned. And you know what? You basically get so sore, you're going to have to cover up those pecs at some point. I mean, it may be jealousy. Obviously, it's jealousy. It's jealousy. But there was somebody else having even more fun than the shirtless dog walker hipster. Now, this lady, if you've ever seen uh, With Nail and I, one of the most seminal movies ever, this was the Camberwell of Carrot of all Camberwell Carrots. It was the biggest spliff I have ever seen. I mean, this thing was almost as big as a head. You know, talk about a lovely, lovely bunch of coconuts, some as big as he had. This spliff was almost as big as a head. And she was so relaxed. She was getting into it. 
and it was like sending smoke signals from a Native American hideout. It was puffing up there, she was blowing rings, it was absolutely toxic out there. But she was feeling it, she was in my favorite gazebo. The gazebo where, you know, I, I'm, God, I'm so boring, I, I might go in there and open up a flask of tea and sit down with the dogs and have a sip of a flask of tea or something uh, on, my, on my dog walk. Or maybe a cup of tea and a slice of cake, Aunt Sally. Something along those lines. Maybe this cup of tea and a slice of cake. If I'm going all gummaging uh, on that. But she was there and she was singing. She was humming. She was having the time of her life. Uh, she was absolutely uh, she was absolutely loving it. And it was so relaxing. It was a beautiful day. And smoke was emanating from the gazebo. Now, if the gazebos are smoking, don't come a knocking. Uh, or something. No, it's, it's, it's obviously, yeah, if the cradles are rocking, don't come a knocking or something like that. Anyway, but there she was. And uh, she was in another world. She was lighting it up and feeling it. And I honestly thought if I got too close, I probably wouldn't be able to make it back. That's how much smoke was emanating from the gazebo. So there we go. People out and about having so much fun, uh, along with Pajama Boy as well. You know, we can't forget our dear friend Pajama Boy, who has a different uh, plaid or tartan pajama every day of the week. But let me just reassure everybody out there who likes to hear about Pajama Boy. Yes, they are still below his bottom crack. The boy still needs some suspenders or braces, whatever you want to call it with her part of your world you're in, to hold up these beauties because there's nothing worse than seeing pajama boys crack first thing in the morning. That's not the crack of sunlight you want to see first thing in the morning, as I, as I said before. So there was our triumvirate. We had the girl with the biggest Camberwell carrot you're ever going to see. You had... Uh, the uh, hipster with the headphones with sunburnt pecs and then the recent addition to B Pajama Boy's Autumn Collection. So we're right into Halloween uh, sweets and candy season. So the most popular Halloween candy in every US state plus top candy cravings. So the popular grocery delivery and uh, pickup platform Instacart has released its Halloween candy data report. With the spookiest time of year finally here, Americans are getting in the spirit by filling up their Halloween candy baskets earlier. Instacart Trends expert uh, tells Fox News, according to the Instacart purchase data from the last year, customers purchased 2.5 million pounds of sweets and candy leading up to the weeks uh, to October the 31st. Whether they're buying trick-or-treat candy early or enjoying the candy for themselves, sweets and candy is a central part of Halloween spirit and festivities. For many, it's often more important than having a costume, uh, adding that w w when it comes to the top candy in America, candy lovers have found bite-sized uh, chocolate treats with peanut M&Ms and M&Ms topping the charts as the number one, one and two top candies. Rounding out the top five, uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, Hershey's Milk Chocolate, Twizzlers uh, in third, fourth and fifth places respectively. So to dig into all things Halloween, the Harris Poll gathered survey response from 2,000 Americans nationwide with their questions ranging from favorite to least favorite candy uh, trick-or-treat confessions. So last-minute candy shopping, according to Instacart, almost half, 43% of all candy purchases in October take place in the last week of the month. 
the South enjoys candy corn. Instacart data shows that Mississippi, Kentucky, Virginia, North Carolina, and Arkansas are the most popular and likely to purchase candy corn. The biggest sweet tooth, top five states with the most candy purchases are west of the Mississippi, while the bottom five are all located east of the Mississippi. Sneaking from kids. More than half parents, 53%, are absolutely or probably going to let their kids eat candy this year. 56% of the parents said they won't feel guilty about it. Based on Instacart purchase data, the company also revealed the most popular candies in America, a breakdown of the most popular candy state by state. So we have Alabama, Starburst, Alaska, Red Vines, Arizona, Red Vines, Arkansas, Candy Corn, California, Red Vines, Candy Corn in Colorado, Connecticut, Twizzlers, Delaware, Swedish Fish, York Peppermint Patties in Florida, Georgia, Starburst, Hawaii, Red Vines, Idaho, Red Vines, Illinois, Twizzlers, Indiana, Twizzlers, Iowa, Twizzlers, Kansas, Candy Corn, Kentucky, Candy Corn, Miss uh, Louisiana, Lifesavers, Maine, Swedish Fish, Twizzlers in Maryland, Massachusetts, Swedish Fish, Twizzlers, uh, and um, uh, Twizzlers also in Minnesota and Michigan, Mississippi, Candy Corn, Missouri, Twizzlers, Red Vines in Montana, M&M's in Nebraska, uh, Red Vines in Nevada, Swedish Fish in New Hampshire, New Jersey, Ferrero Rocher, and Hazelnut Chocolates, New Mexico, Werther's Originals, oh my gosh, the Werther's slot in there, New York, Ferrero Rocher, uh, North Carolina, Candy Corn, Dakota, uh, Twizzlers, Ohio, Pe- Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, Oklahoma, Snickers, Oregon Red Vines, Pennsylvania Swedish Fish, along with Rhode Island, Lifesavers in South Carolina, Skittles in South Dakota, Tennessee had Candy Corn, Texas Sour Patch Kids, Utah Swedish Fish, York Peppermint Patties in Vermont, Candy Corn Virginia, Red Vines Washington State, Washington D.C., Lint Truffles. Now I'm going to D.C. They have a higher. They have the Lint Truffles in D.C. That's the place I want to be. Uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, Twizzlers in Wisconsin, and Red Vines in Wyoming. So I think if I'm going to go trick-or-treating, it's going to have to be DC. And it has to be Lindt, uh, but not the dark chocolate ones, the milk chocolate ones, or the Dolce de Leche, my new favourites. So whilst we're doing surveys, um, we've got our favourite. Uh, this is a survey on the favourite forms of birth control effectiveness. So birth control effectiveness, uh, 99% uh, we have condoms, uh, 99% also birth control pills. And for a hundred percent birth control effectiveness, anybody wearing Crocs. Okay, so my dear father, uh, he has a pet pheasant. You know, this is what people have. They do have various pets. You know, so this is why I never, never have one of my favourite dishes is roasted pheasant or or uh, casserole pheasant is absolutely delicious as well. But I don't think you know when I see my parents, I never have a pheasant anymore. But dad has a pet pheasant. He has a fondness for the pheasants now. So he has a pet pheasant. Um, and he feeds it every day corn. So my, my farmer does love a uh, sort of tweed trilby. That's his favorite piece of headwear and attire. So uh, if anybody ever anybody else ever feeds a pheasant, I mean, the pheasant's still a little bit sketchish. It wants the corn, but it'll run away from anybody else. So if anybody else ever wants to feed my father's pet pheasant, then they have to wear his tweed trilby. So mother, whenever she feeds a pheasant, pops on the trolby, and immediately the pheasant thinks that it's my father. That's all you need. All you need to fool a pheasant is apparently a tweed trolby. Ah, it's time for Trump or trombone. All right, so here we go. Trump or trombone. Customers slammed after printing out instructions for the chef on how to cook a meal. 
It is important to get what you're asked for, but one couple left people divided over whether the demands were reasonable. One waitress shared the instructions one couple had printed out for her chef while visiting the chain US restaurant she works in. The couple in question seemed to have a very specific data on how their hamburger should be cooked and prepared in their takeaway order. A member of the staff shared the demands online saying, okay, so I don't usually post, but I couldn't resist one. Two guests came in today with their own printed uh, instructions on how they wanted their food prepared. So uh, this is how they wanted their food prepared. All buns in one container, all meats in one container, please uh, burger patties are rare as possible, uh, just brown each side. All veggies in one container, all cheeses in one container, uh, of course fries in separate containers, sauces and other items separate also. And this is what they did, they, they had the instructions ready for this. I mean I'd love to see this couple going in to uh, maybe Gordon Ramsay's restaurant or Marco Pierre White. Apparently uh, Pierre White uh, used to pay people to leave if they didn't like his food. Now, God, I'd love to see these people bringing those instructions in and giving them over to Ramsey or Marco Pierre White. It would have been pretty hot in the kitchen. And a woman revealed that she almost died after wearing high-waisted shorts for eight hours. Sam from North Carolina ended up in a life-threatening situation after wearing tight denim shorts on a date with her boyfriend. The date was uh, about eight hours and became very uncomfortable and she chose to ignore it and just enjoy her time. The following day, the 25-year-old recalled feeling very ill when she noticed a lump from the chafing had been and it was incredibly sore. Uh, the doctor prescribed antibiotics for the uh, rare skin condition. I mean, those shorts must be known as daisy pukes. And a daredevil bride was forced to throw away her dream wedding dress after scaling a towering rock face wearing it 75 foot from the ocean. Jill Young and her husband Robert tied the knot in an intimate ceremony on cliff looking over the sea in front of just four guests in July this year. The adventurous couple who met on a dating site in 2018 held the ceremony in Arcadia National Park in Maine. The mum of two's beautiful ivory form-fitting dress uh, with a lace overlay uh, had a C-section uh, to accommodate her safety harness. And, it, and if butchering the gown wasn't enough for the bride, she managed to get it so muddy during the thrilling ascent that uh, it was fit for nothing but the bin afterwards. I mean, next will be the whole wedding in like leisure wear. So everybody in the whole wedding party will be leisure wear, including the priest. The trouble would be, though, I mean, where in leisure wear can you find a pouch to put the ring? Uh, and I mean, there are people at the wedding, if they're all in leisure wear, uh, you don't want to see certain people at the wedding in very, very tight leisure wear. Uh, it would definitely put you off uh, your cake. And a spooky London underground station has reportedly had people grimacing at the putrid smell of an open tomb and the sightings of the Black Nun. There are a number of reasons the estimated 300,000 daily users of Bank Station might experience paranormal activity in the station, including a bomb that struck the station during the Blitz. One TikTok user uh, shares spooky stories of the haunted uh, London station at, at History of London and also may have experienced the feeling of dread at Bank Station. Meg from London said, Have you ever been walking through Bank Station late at night and encountered a strange feeling of dread, foreboding, and a putrid smell like an open tomb? Please mind the ghoulish gap between the train 
and the Poltergeist. And finally, millennials are ditching their beloved avocados due to the environmental impact. Uh, Wachashi, the biggest Mexican chain in the UK, dropped avocados from guacamole, instead favouring British fava beans to be more sustainable. It's the food of the generation often spread on toast or made into a tasty dip, but avocados' moment in the sun may be coming to an end as green millennials are ditching the fruit associated with them uh, due to the detrimental environmental effects of farming them. The biggest uh, Mexican chain in the UK have dropped avocado from their uh, guacamole instead favouring uh, British fava beans, while foodies on TikTok are making frozen pea guacamole. So you're pulverising peas uh, to lower the carbon footprint and making them to a guacamole. The Mexican dip is traditionally made with avocados, onion, tomatoes, lime and coriander, but now they're swapping the key ingredient with uh, English peas. Uh, vegan TikTok star Callum Harris uh, has uh, rocked up 300,000 hits on Instagram for his frozen pea guacamole. I mean, I think I would start calling it a mushy pea, a mushy pea guacamole. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. Keep calm and cauliflower cheese is the name of the game. And you can listen to it almost everywhere across Apple Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, uh, of course, many, many different platforms. I mean, you just type in Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese and it really appears anywhere and everywhere these days. In fact, as I was making some mushy pea, uh, sort of almost guacamole-like thing, I was crushing and pulverizing the peas this morning. As I was pulverizing and crushing those mushy peas, I could hear Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese emanating from the mushiness of the peas. You can literally hear it everywhere. Uh, so that's it for the uh, the duo of podcasts this weekend. We had one on Friday and one today. Uh, sort of Carmen, it's cha- sort of Chappie's Sermon Sunday, basically, edition of the podcast. Uh, but I shall return. So like and subscribe across all the platforms. Uh, it really does help. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram, Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese, and on Twitter, at Keep Cheese. Follow all the nonsense through the course of the week. But coming up next, we have a autumnal poem. This is by John Clare. I love the fitful gust that shakes the casement all the day and from the mossy elm tree takes the faded leaf away, twirling it by the window pane with a thousand others down the lane. I love to see the shaking twig dance till the shut of eve, the sparrow on the cottage rig whose chirp would make believe. That spring just now flirting by in summer's lap with flowers to lie. I love to see the cottage smoke curl upwards through the nakedness trees. The pigeons nestled above the coat on dull November days like these. The cock upon the dunghill crowing, the mill sails on the earth a-growing. The feather from the raven's breast falls on the stubble lee. The acorns near the old crow's nest fall pattering down the tree. And the grunting pigs that wait for all scramble and hurry where they fall. Until next time, ladies and mantelpieces, it's Chappie out and have a lovely week and cheerio for now.